I always knew I was a Taylor Swift ultra fan. <laughs> okay, so if I know you and you and you, you do post those on your your Instagram feed, I'm not judging you. I don't mind. I'll judge you. I'll, I'll do it. Eric thinks you're a loser, <laughs> but I don't. <laughs> Like, nobody gives a fuck. Like, I really don't give a shit what music anybody listens to. But the hosting site that we use to host the podcast is owned by Spotify. We use Anchor.com, mm-hmm. which is a Spotify platform. So they actually make a one for podcast creators. So mm-hmm. I was just checking on our um, episodes and looking at the stats or whatever, you know, like I do before we go on. And they, they, they made a one for us. Oh. Here's your, yeah, wrapped for podcast creators. So I'm going to read it to you guys. You can react in real time and give me your thoughts about what it says, because it's pretty funny. I started it, but I didn't finish it. Okay, so Coherence, our episode Coherence, had 636% more streams than our average episodes. What? Yeah, Coherence is our all-time number one episode, at least it was for last year, and and it had 636% more streams than our average episodes. So does that mean like, like, people listen to it from beginning to end i don't know that i'm gonna oh, okay. I, it, I want to believe that because that'd be awesome but like i'm guessing some people or a lot of people don't listen to our episode all the way through you know <laughs> you fucking should i mean that was a, that was a great episode because it's a great movie but that's that's crazy to hear well you know what i think that is as i don't think it's because of the popular well Remember when we posted the Coherence episode, somebody from, who put out Coherence? Uh, Oscillos- Oscilloscope. Oscilloscope. Somebody from Oscilloscope commented on my post for Coherence when I posted the episode. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe. So I don't know if that guy from, or man or woman from Oscilloscope spread the word about the podcast. So a lot of people who were involved in, I don't know, mm. maybe. Yeah, I, I would love to maybe. think that. That's what I would love to yeah. think. That the guy at Oscilloscope reached out to the people who made the movie and said, oh, there's a really fun episode about your movie. movie and then yeah. they, that would be sick. I doubt that happened, but that would be sick. Because it's not like coherence. Coherence of all the episodes that we do, we've done is one of the most obscure movies, I would say. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's like one of those obscure gems that no one's heard about, but it's great. It's such a good movie. And I think, too, also... If you were listening to that and you were like the kind of person who likes to listen, regardless of spoilers, and you want to just listen and hear about a movie, the setup and the premise for that movie, the way we described it, is pretty interesting. So it's enough to be like, oh, that's fucking interesting. So how does it yeah. play out? You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's yeah. why I think 630. Zach, have you seen that movie? I was about to say, that's one of the few episodes that I've not listened to. I've not seen the movie yet. You see that if you had have done, we would be at 637%, not 636%. So can you rectify sure. that, Zach, for next year? Thank you. <laughs> it'll, it'll happen. <laughs> I think it's on Prime, so, you know. I th- yeah, it is. I actually, think. Zach, like, jokes aside, it's fucking awesome. You should watch it. Okay. Yeah, I think you'd really like it, actually. Um, okay, so moving on. Next slide. Okay, your podcast loves to travel. Interesting. Where do we like to travel to? And brings it up. It was a picture of the globe spinning around like a neon pink globe. It was very, it's very nicely done, all of this. Okay, so it was heard in 11 countries. Your top five countries, and I'm, this is fucking awesome. And Eric, this relates to what we were talking about on one of our previous episodes. So our top five 
countries. Obviously, United States is number one. Number two is Canada, which I've suspected for a long time. Number three, guess where? Australia. Nice. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> oh, heck yeah, dude. Aussies like us. Yeah, and we are very pro-Australia podcasts. So very, very <laughs> much so. I'd like to just send out a, a big thank you to the Sheilas. That's what they call women <laughs> in Australia. And the men of Australia for supporting us. It means a lot. Um, n- number four, Latvia. What? Okay. I, yeah. Eastern Bloc. I have family in Latvia, though. So I have Latvian do relatives. Okay. Uh, do, I mean, do they? Well, maybe they're the ones listening then. Do they, do they know? I, no, they don't know about the podcast, but <laughs> that, that's cool, though, because like part of my family is from Latvia. So huh. that, I'm very, very honored and privileged about that, too. And then number five is even crazier. Okay, Zach, guess what our number five is? Uh, I'm going to go with Poland. Oh, no. Eric? China. No. Both would be cool choices. <laughs> India. <laughs> India. Oh. I mean, that's... A inter- like, is that... It's got to be like, to me, it's like, somebody listened to it and then recommended it and then recommended it and then recommended it and somehow it got out. Or like, you know, Latvia could be like, maybe we got armed service reps that are over there listening to it. I have no idea. Well, you know what I think it could be, though? It's crazy is it could be one fan of ours who is like a, a big fan who has to travel a lot because he works for like, or he or she works for like a security <laughs> co- company and has to travel the world. So the Canada, Australia, and Latvia, and India, well, th- those were all the countries that they went to last year. And it just so happens that they were streaming us there, but it's like, it's not people from there. <laughs> but well, I'm like- you. Worldwide business trip. I'm really psyched about it though. I'm really psyched about that. That's a really cool- lineup of countries okay so moving on to the next slide have you seen this before me no i started it but i i, I never got this far oh, through okay okay something magical happened between july 17 and july 17th and july 23rd we had 104 percent more listens compared to our average week so we had a massive spike july 17 to july 23rd and i remember telling you about this because we did we had like a massive and I think I know why, but I'm not going to go into it on the podcast because it's actually really depressing. So I'm not going to say why. Um, I'll tell you guys about that offline. Um, but <laughs> I, I, I know why the spike happened. And it was heartbreaking because I thought, I thought we might have went semi-viral, but it wasn't. It was pretty nefarious, uh-huh. actually. So, <laughs> Wait, uh, did I do uh, something controversial? <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> I like how you were like, shit, did I say something? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, you didn't go full Kanye on that episode. Oh um, man, it I've was, been trying. I've been trying. I'll tell you guys when when we get off. All remind right. me to tell you, but it's it kind of sucks if that's true, and I think it is true, and it kind of sucks. Um, anyway, that's that's a depressing one. Okay, moving on. Let's have a look. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever said sharing is caring was probably a fan of yours. Ooh. What does that mean? Sounds like a Care Bear line right there. Whoa! Look at this. Your podcast was in the top 20% most shared globally. Hmm. There you go. 84% of our sharing was done by direct link. So people sending our link to somebody else. Oh, oh that's oh, pretty okay. sweet. Oh, that's cool. That's like them making the effort right there. 10% by text. Hmm. Oh, shit. 
uh, 4% was other. I don't know what other is. And 2% was Instagram, which basically goes to show why it's pointless us having an Instagram. And I've been trying not to, <laughs> I've been trying to like figure out a way to just like get off Instagram. Um, and I stopped doing episode art because that was taking up a lot of my time. And I was doing these bespoke art pieces for each episode, which was taking me fucking hours. You know what you have to do though, right? I mean, yeah, you get, you need to get off Instagram because you hate Instagram, but then you have to do TikTok. That's just, mm. that has to happen. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Just give in, dude. No. Do you think, I mean, I think we're in a situation where, you know, like if you're, if you do something like this, I mean, let's just, we'll clarify it to the listeners. So like Eric, Zach, me, Chris, Daniel, Jason, everybody who's basically on the podcast and really Eric and I started the podcast. The, the point of us doing the podcast is more just to hang out and, 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 yeah. and it's more just for us to do it. Like I make it for myself to listen to. That's really what I make it for. And then, <laughs> and then, and like we do this for ourselves to listen to and ourselves to talk about and ourselves to go out and hang out. It's like a hangout for us. You know what I mean? Yeah. We don't yeah. make it is like more a, than anything more. Yeah, yeah. More than anything. Yeah. Cause I remember when I just, I wouldn't go to the movies ever because I was just going by myself and I wouldn't have anybody to talk to about it. So yeah. Yeah. Same Eric, same. I would only go to the movies by myself. And then, uh, when Eric and I struck up a friendship a few years back now, basically the first thing we did was we were like, Oh, let's go see a movie because we both like mm-hmm. movies. Cause we talk about it when, when we, uh, bump into each other. And then this is it. This is the point of movies last night. And I think hopefully you, the listeners get the vibe of that from the shows where it's, it's more like we just, we just like watching movies and we like having this little community that we've created for ourselves. And it's a community, mm-hmm. like a local community of friends and colleagues and just friends. And like, we shoot the shit and we have fun and we have a discord and we talk and we send each other stupid links and, and, and it's goofy and we'll have fun, you know? And it's, that's literally the point of this. Mm-hmm. So the whole if i wanted to like spread the word on instagram and do posts and, and get your what's that engagement up it's i it's soul crushing now <laughs> going back to the 84% shared as a direct link unfortunately i also know why that is too and i will tell you guys about that off air also god this is fucking depressing okay moving on <laughs> it's all bots it's all, all bots. bots. Yeah. It was based on that QAnon episode that we did. <laughs> uh, okay. Pop quiz. Okay. This is, I'll throw this to you guys because it's a pop quiz one. What percentage of your listeners follow your podcast? Oh, God. Is that all? Ooh, that's what? Well, no. If you, if you look percentage? at the YouTube numbers, there's so many people that like follow but don't actually watch videos. I'd say like 3%. Yeah, I know what you mean, Zach. Like the other way around, they watch videos but they don't follow the. Yeah. The, 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 yes. Yes. Y- yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, they're just listening to one episode and then yeah, I got. Or you. they just listen and they they just don't follow. This is, it's funny because I'm guilty of that because I watch a lot of people's YouTubes and I just don't follow them. Um. Okay. So here's your options: twelve percent, eighteen percent, or six percent. You we reckon six then, Zach? Yeah. Yeah, I'll go with six. Okay, let's have a look. Uh, yeah. Oh, try a little higher. So actually, that's that's a little encouragement. Oh, um, okay, nice. so twelve percent. Let's try that. No, eighteen percent. So we have an eighteen percent follow rate based around our 
listens. We're in the top 30% most followed podcasts. Hmm. That's not bad. That's pretty good. Hey, being in the top 30% considering there's like 9 billion podcasts, that's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Especially for just uh, well, some fellas hanging out, shooting the shit. And, and yeah, I, I think that I think that really, and I'll, I'll shine a little light on you, Scott. I think that has a lot to do with you and and how yep. you're very much consistent with everything. And we've always kind of talked about that too. It's just like it's about being consistent and like reliable and always on top of it. So and. And there's like, there's some, there's some weeks where I just can't do it. I'm just exhausted. I can't make the movies or, or like this last, last batch of movies that just got thrown out. I, I haven't got the, a chance to see like anything, but Scott's always been on top of it, always on an episode. If it's just like him and uh, Chris or him and Jason or, or like a, a Chris and Daniel, whatever it is. There, I mean, there's always the reason that I think we're, that high is is because you're you're always push putting out the episodes at least every week. So yeah, that number sure. that that's your number right there. Oh, thanks, guys. A lot of people that listen don't realize that you know I'm not technically savvy. A lot of us aren't that technically savvy. Scott, with all the equipment, all the editing, that's mm -hmm. all him. You know, he's perfected the audio over this year and a half. So yeah, kudos oh one hundred, yeah, one hundred percent, yeah. Well, thanks, We'd guys. still be talking into our uh, iPads, I think, if, <laughs> if if Scott didn't like step up. So yeah, yeah, awesome, yeah. Oh yeah, it it, it I I do definitely want to keep it. Uh, I mean, there's been times where I've I've been like, well, I'll just do an episode by myself just to put something out. Um, so we yeah. stay on top of it. But we've we've always managed to get it make make it work, you know. And it's not just you know, it's like like we said, if we're just doing it as friends and like. We we don't this like we all work full time jobs and we all have busy lives so you know we try mm -hmm. and yeah awesome okay so well that's a good I'm I'm pretty psyched about that one um okay moving on this is actually longer than I thought it would be okay <laughs> what are movies last night listeners like exactly question mark oh it's like male and females I bet oh god oh it's just gonna show a picture of like a troll underneath a bridge <laughs> 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 okay. Calculating listeners' personalities. Your pod, your listeners' podcast personalities are the enthusiast. I don't know what the hell that means. Okay. Your like listeners are super fans. When their favorite podcast releases a new episode, they are among the first to know going above and beyond to show their support. Right? Nice. Keep it up, guys. Keep yeah. up. <laughs> yeah. We love the support. <laughs> this one's not a good one. This is because I'm just too lazy to do shit. You created two polls and one Q&A. So, you know, on the episode, I can put a poll on or a, a question and answer section. I only did it twice and I did one Q&A. Oh. And we had <laughs> and listeners joined in the three times that we did it. So if I had done it more, we probably would have had more. What was that on? I don't remember that. Uh, I'm trying to remember what it was. I was going to do a poll when you and I were arguing over Denny Villeneuve. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I forgot how you were pr pronouncing his name on that episode. It was really <laughs> funny. Because <laughs> I was sick out of my brains. Yeah. I think I, I was I was turning him Spanish or something. It was like De La Venue. <laughs> yeah, it was De La, De La Venue. Um, and yeah. we were arguing about him and Alex Garland. And then I was mm -hmm. you, you wanted me to put a poll up. And you were like, see, I, I think I did that one. Anyway, um, have you been working out? question mark this must be people listening in gyms 
Oh, no, yeah. <laughs> no, it's definitely not. Hell Dude, yeah, I've been working I don't, out. I don't think I'll list this ship of gym people. I mean, if they're like just walking on the treadmill, you know, maybe they're watching QVC and they're listening to us. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think we probably have, if I had to guess, the type of person that listens to us, I, I would guess it's it's white dudes in the 30s. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Yeah, pretty it's much. Totally, oh. It's totally gym bros. What are you talking about? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so your podcast saw a lot of gains this year. So we were up 279% for our listenership in 2022 over 2021. We were up 224% in streams up 206% in followers and up 202% in hours. But to be fair, we started middle of 2021. So we've had a full mm-hmm. year. So of course we're going to be up in hours. And actually, of course we're going to be up in all of them because we did it longer. Yeah. It's crazy to think it, it's only been like about a year, I guess, and some change. July. You know? yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, interesting. We are a top 10 podcast for 45 of our fans where in their top 10 podcasts. We are a top 5% podcast for 27 fans and we're the number one podcast for nine fans. Thank you, nine fans. <laughs> so nine fans on Spotify have us as their number one podcast. That's so cool. Okay. Um, if you are one of those nine people, let me know because I would love to know. Yeah. Yeah. Scott, you can give him a shout out on the podcast. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. We'll give you a shout, shout out on the podcast. Okay. Movies last night. Thank you for sharing your podcast with the world. Speaking of sharing, we made something special for you, which is, oh, that's nice. It's, it's dollars. They, they, they made oh. like slides that we can slay, uh, slides that we can share on our Instagram. Um, there was one other thing that popped up. So first time I did it, and just to wrap this up, First time I did this thing, it actually gave me a percentage that it didn't give me this time when I did it. So I don't know if it gives you slightly different info each time you do it Mm. or like expands the stats or whatever. We are in the top 3% of podcasts in the world for hours recorded last year. What is like, um, so like overall time. So the amount of episodes that I put out last year and the length of those episodes puts us in the, like, it's like the top three or 5% of podcasts in the world for how much content we put out. Oh, wow. Oh, cause you rock, you guys rock like two hour episodes each time. Uh, yeah. Give or a take. More. Give, sometimes yeah. more and then sometimes less, but we put them out consistently every single day of the week and uh, not every day of the week. Fucking hell, I'll be dead. <laughs> every, um, every single week, like every single week. And I guess that, um, of the podcasts that are really big, a lot of those do those, but we must be in the high percentage of small podcasts that do that. You know what I mean? Hmm. So yeah, that was like a really good one. If I'll, um, I'll update it later on if it comes back on. But anyway, I thought I'd share that with you guys and with our listeners. I think that's pretty interesting. And like, also yeah. thanks everybody that, you know, it's a nice little ego boost there. Yeah. In Australia, you are the best. <laughs> In Australia, yeah, you literally are the best. I don't really care about India and all those other places. I just really want <laughs> Australian listeners only. No offense, Isn't Canada. Latvia. <laughs> I know you came in number two, Canada, but really, I want that Australian listen. So, yeah, you know. I mean, we're we're in the uh, we're in the what is it the World Cup phase right now? So there you go. Yeah, and they're just the, they're the World Cup of my heart. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, they won the World there Cup by heart. And then also, just so you know, if you uh, to all Australian fans, um, obviously being English, I did grow up watching Neighbours and Home and Away, so I'm very big fan of a lot of your television. And my favorite television show growing up was a show called Heartbreak High, which is a killer. It's like the Australian version of what's that show with Drake when Drake was younger? It was like a high school oh, show. Uh, Degrassi. Degrassi. It's like an Australian version oh, of Degrassi. Yeah. And it's fire. Ugh. So. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Australia. There you go. Oh, actually, speaking of Australia too, there's a, uh, a food restaurant. Obviously, it's a food restaurant because it's a restaurant. It's a food restaurant. That's a, <laughs> such a weird thing to say. But there's a place in Nashville on Charlotte Pike. Shout out to this place called Red Perch which is this little fish and chip shop, but it, the guy who owns it's an Australian guy, and it's um, Australian-style fish and chips, which is a little different to, like, British-style fish and chips. You know what I mean? Huh. But it's fucking delicious, and it's really good, and it's my favorite place to eat in Nashville. Like, hands down recommend it to all of you, Zach. It's not far from you. You could be down there. It's called Red Perch, and it's, you get fish and chips, and it's fire. It's so good. It's so, got to beat my nasty Captain D's that I eat. Oh, you, oh god, yes. Zach! Do you get Captain D's? <laughs> I love fucking Captain D's. That one got closed down. The one near us got closed down. Yeah, it's like some even worse barbecue place. Yeah, <laughs> which will probably last like six more weeks. Then it'll just be shut down. I too. know, right? And that the the location that Captain D's was in is like it's 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 a cursed location. It's like the the cash uh, checking the cash gets far more business than that place does. Oh man. Okay, I was going to watch Highlander Endgame, and I was going to <laughs> rent it when I got home from work today. And I you didn't? Just, I I couldn't. I just didn't want to. I'm so proud of you. I you know, tried like, to convince him. <laughs> I tried. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. This is like you know. I I feel like you know when I'm encouraging my friends that are coming out of rehab it's like you're doing really good you did a good job you did a good job. you made it you made it there could be only one and yeah. this was i it. thought donnie i thought me convincing him because of donnie yen i was like donnie yen's in it come on you know you want to i mean that almost <laughs> did convince me because i love donnie yen i just could i could honestly i couldn't face it i just didn't want to let me it. ask you this is um is john is the john wick movies just the new highlander Oh, well, yeah, right? Because Donnie Yen's in that, isn't he, too? Yeah, I <laughs> he's mean... In the, he's in the next one. I think it's a law of diminishing returns with John Wick, if I'm being honest. I think they are... They have steadily gone downhill from one to three, in my opinion. Now, that mightn't be an opinion that everybody shares, but I think that if we get into John... By the time we do John Wick 4, which is coming out next year, isn't it? I think so. I will go and see John Wick 4, but I'm also going to admit that I honestly don't care if I go and see it in the theatre. <laughs> yeah i think i've seen all of them in the theater and i i think i've gone with you to see to see them all in the uh, theater yeah i think so i think we might have I, seen all of I, them i think so yeah yeah, yeah yeah i feel like that one would be pretty uh pretty killer in the dolby digital though with the sound and stuff like that but oh yeah i'm sure i mean be. with the amc you know we got that amc stubs we might as well see it in theaters oh no i mean i am gonna see it who am i kidding i am gonna see you it. will you know but, <laughs> yeah you will but i just feel it's a little i don't know it's getting a little look you know what i think i don't like about john wick is i'm kind of sick of seeing keanu look like that oh yeah john wick can shave john wick can get a haircut <laughs> 
Like, I know he's on the run, but he has time to get a quick haircut, shot back and sides. And yeah. if anything, if he did that, people wouldn't recognize him. So maybe it would yeah, be better for yeah, him to get a haircut. Yeah. No. I, I think if he cuts his hair like shorter or whatever, then you, you can see that he's 80 years old. So I don't know. Yeah, right. <laughs> and and also that I, I hold John Rick, resp- Rick responsible. I love Matrix Revel. What's it? Matrix? Matrix? The, third, the fourth one? Resurrections. Resurrection? Resurrections. I like, yeah. God, you can tell, I like it. I can't remember what it's called. I like that movie a lot, <laughs> but I do blame John Wick for him looking like that and that because he was probably under contract mm-hmm. and had to look like John Wick and that. And that killed it for me because it, I just couldn't, I was just seeing John Wick in that. that that's what killed the Matrix for you? Yeah. His look? That, <laughs> only, that's what killed it that. for you? Not, <laughs> not the I don't think I was on action. I don't think I was on that episode. I, I don't think I was oh. the voice of dissent on that episode. One of that the worst movies of the year <laughs> that it came out. Yeah, you, you guys I, it. I, I hated that movie. I hated it. Big time. <laughs> I don't I don't mind it. I, it. I've gone cold on it over time though. I think it was Jason you that really liked love it. it. It's and fun. He was just it's fun. He just couldn't fathom that how much somebody could hate that movie. I was like, I really hated it, Jason. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, me and Jason were kind of warm on it. I think I was pretty positive on it, actually. Yeah, no, I definitely was positive. Yeah, you were were very positive on it. That's so ridiculous. (laughs) So ridiculous. Okay, so it's a movie's last night episode. What does Scott do? Scott types something into Google and reads some Wikipedia thing about something that's related to the movie. Oh. Of which I haven't thought of yet. <laughs> Normally I already have a thing thought of. Okay. Oh, this. Okay, here we go. Wikipedia. Guess what I'm looking up on Wikipedia? Cannibalism. Mm. Of course I am. Oh. oh, there you go. Okay, here we go. According to Wikipedia, it's giving me the advert saying I have to donate. So I'm just skipping past that. Um, okay. <laughs> you should just be like, and I'm donating $2 and I did my thing. Yeah, right. Oh, oh, it's interesting. So. This article is actually, the article I first brought up is about cannibalism in animals in general. And that for cannibalism, cannibalism in humans specifically see human cannibalism. Interesting. Okay, so yeah, we forget that animals are cannibals. Uh, some animals. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, Scott, the- you're going to end up on a watch list real quick. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> uh, you know, the only person listening that going to listen to this Army Hammer. This is Army Hammers at home going, yes, finally, yes. got a podcast <laughs> I can fucking get my teeth into. You know what I mean? Really sink my teeth into. Um, uh, that's kind of fucked when you think about it, because wasn't Army Hammer in Call Me By Your Name, the Luca Guadagnino mm-hmm. movie, with Timothy Chalamet? And now Luca made a movie about cannibalism, and Army Hammer is a shamed cannibal who sells real estate in like Rio yeah. de Janeiro or something, <laughs> whatever he does now. You know, this year is has really been the year of the cannibal. Yeah. Um, Army Hammer, Bones and All, Dahmer. the Dahmer movie, <laughs> their, their <laughs> series on Netflix. You know, they're making a comeback. Well, it's kind of like cannibals are like the new vampires. So, mm-hmm. you know, we just need <laughs> sparkling cannibals. Mm-hmm. Glisten in the light. You know, they'll, they'll get to it next year. Okay, here we go. Human cannibalism. Human cannibalism is an act or practice of humans eating the flesh or internal organs of other human beings. A person who practices cannibalism is called a cannibal. 
obviously <laughs> what of course yeah. <laughs> this, is, uh, this is like a picture book a, yeah, a cannibal picture book yeah totally this is like uh, okay so the meaning of cannibalism has been extended in the zoology to describe an individual or other species consuming all or part of another individual of the same species as food including sexual cannibalism now that's my jam okay um <laughs> the island carib which I don't know if it means the island Caribbean. I don't know what the island Carib means. So the island Carib people of the Lesser Antilles, from whom the word cannibalism is derived, acquired a long-standing reputation as cannibals after their legends were recorded in the 17th century. Some controversy, some controversy exists over the accuracy of these legends and the prevalence of actual cannibalism in the culture. Cannibalism was practiced in New Guinea and parts of the Solomon Islands, and flesh markets existed in some parts of Melanesia. Flesh markets? What the fuck? Fiji was once known <laughs> as the Cannibal Isle. Cannibal, uh, cannibalism has been well documented in much of the world, including Fiji, the Amazon Basin, the Congo, and the Maori people of New Zealand. Neanderthals uh, are believed to have practiced cannibalism, and Neanderthals may have eaten by anatomically modern humans oh so neanderthals practice cannibalism and anatomically correct humans so not neanderthals us in our more advanced stages also ate neanderthals mm. i wouldn't consider would that be considered cannibalism if it's a different like genre of a genre? <laughs> you know, like Homo erectus, Homo sapien, and then you got Neanderthal. That's like a that's like a different different species, I would think. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a chicken little, and steak. Yeah, it's a look. It looks a little. It's like turkey or chicken. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like <laughs> the kind of look. Well, I don't know. That's I don't know, Zach. I I still think it's cannibalism. Um, let's have a look. Cannibalism was also practiced in ancient Egypt. Roman Egypt and during famines in Egypt, such as the Great Famine of 1199 and 1202. The good old days. Oh, this is crazy. Cannibalism has recently both been practiced and fiercely condemned in several wars, especially in Liberia and the Democratic Republic of the Congo. It was still practiced in Papua New Guinea as of 2012 for cultural reasons. Still practiced in Papua New Guinea as of 2012 and in ritual, as well as in war, in various Melanesian tribes. Cannibalism has been said to test the bounds of cultural relativism, relativism because it challenges the anthropologists to define what is or is not beyond the pale of acceptable human behavior. So some scholars argue that no, no firm evidence exists that cannibalism has ever been a socially acceptable practice anywhere in the world at any time in history, although this has been consistently debated against. I mean, <laughs> I mean if, if, it, if enough people do it, though, in, in one society, doesn't that make it acceptable to that society? Well, yeah, I think so. I mean, and we've got to think about, too, if these tribes isolated from the rest of the world in these remote parts of the country, they're doing it in a vacuum almost. So it's kind of like yeah. they, they, aren't, they aren't privy or to general acceptable society's way of behaving. You know what I mean? Because they're not part of general society. Culturally, they live like in a bubble. 
you know, with their own mm. rules and practices. So they don't have the social mores or whatever you would say of like Western society. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So I've two more paragraphs. I'll read it quick. A form of cannibalism popular in early modern Europe was the consumption of body parts or blood for me medical purposes. This practice was at its height during the 17th century, although as late as the second or as late as as of the second half of the 19th century, some peasants attending an execution are recorded to have rushed forward and scraped the ground with their hands that they might Ugh. collect some of the bloody earth which they subsequently crammed in their mouth in hope that they <laughs> might get rid of their disease. Uh, what is wrong with you people? Muddy blood. <laughs> You're never getting rid of your disease by picking up mud off the ground, soaked <laughs> in another human's blood, and put in your mouth. Like, what? What are we doing? Come on. Um, oh, you're not a doctor, Scott. You don't know that. Yeah, that's true. Cannibalism has been occasionally practiced as a last resort by people suffering from famine, even in modern times. Famous examples include the ill-fated Donner Party, which was 1846-47, and more recently, the crash of the Uruguayan Air Force Flight 571 yep. in 1972, after which some survivors ate the bodies of the dead. Additionally, there are cases of people suffering from mental illness engaging in cannibalism for sexual pleasure, such as Jeffrey Dahmer, Isai Sagawa, and Albert Fish. There is resistance to formally labeling cannibalism as a mental disorder. Okay, interesting. Let's discuss. So, <laughs> the psychology of cannibalism, we're going to get into it? Well, I just think it's interesting. I think it's an interesting, and I don't know how tied this is into the, you know, like the myth of vampirism, where hmm. there's always been this, like, this notion yeah, it's, that it's, consuming it's another person that, gives you power. Yeah. It's interesting that, like, as far as, as far as all that, like, yeah, vampirism is acceptable where cannibalism is just going a little bit too far, you know? Um, that that's like you know, orange juice pulp, no pulp sort of <laughs> sort of situation. What's the difference, really? So, and I don't think you can put it as a mental illness because you have the those instances of necessity, like the plane crash where like the soccer team had to eat their you know fellow members and stuff, and then like the Donner part. You know, there's I mean there's. There's instances where, like, you have to, like a starvation with a famine and stuff like that. But then, yeah, then you got the other spectrum of it where it's like Dahmer and other thing, other people, and you're just like, you know, Jack the Ripper, perhaps. You're like, well, that seems like it'd be a mental thing. But it's like, if it's out of necessity, that's always going to be a instance where that happens somewhere. So it's going to be a sane person having to survive rather than it being like some mental, just sexual. Uh, release you can only imagine if you were like in the in, in the donna party or whatever and you were like stranded and you were starving and somebody died you can't imagine what you would do in a situation mm -mm. i mean i yeah. would like to think i wouldn't do that but it's just a fascinating thing i think why i think's really fascinating about cannibalism is it seems to be like the last taboo i mean obviously i think pedophilia is a taboo that as a society, like nobody will get behind. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's, yeah. a, that's a good thing. Yeah. But yeah, I'm not saying I'm not. <laughs> yeah. I'm not. I'm not saying it's yeah. around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm saying that yeah. there's there's certain things where it's like it's, the ultimate taboo. There, yeah, there's a there's a lot of division in the world right now, but we can we, all get behind pedophilia. Bad. Yes, we can unite <laughs> on that. But I think outside of that, which is the universal 
no-go. That's like the universal no-go, unless mm -hmm. you're a Catholic priest. But the... <laughs> And I can say that as a Catholic, so you know what I mean. I, I can, I can, <laughs> go. I can mock you got my the, own people. You, you got the membership card, yeah, for sure. Um, but I think cannibalism is one of those ones where it's like the ultimate taboo. That it seems so outlandish. It, I don't know why it has this. I mean, I know why because it's fucking crazy. <laughs> but it, it 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 exists in that part of like crazy, you know. It's mm -hmm. like it's, it's necrophilia one and stuff. Yeah, like necrophilia. That. Yeah, it's like a necrophilia. Yeah. So when we hear about serial killers or people who thoroughly break the laws of civilized society, where it's it's like a fundamental, like this is the ultimate assault to God or the ultimate fuck you. Like I'll do exactly what I want to do. Cannibalism mm -hmm. is one of those things where it's, so. it seems yeah. like the ultimate affront to God, and I just think it's a very interesting subject. It's so weird that, I mean, that is the case, but then with this movie, at least, we couple it with a, a teenage love story in a way. So it's so, it's strange that, that, that we're tackling these two subjects together kind of in a movie um, that I don't know that I've kind of experienced or seen before. You know, I've seen tons of like vampire movies. And, yeah. and movies like that, uh, which is wholly acceptable, but this is a, kind of a, a first for me. And I think what Scott was talking about, you know, the different reasons for cannibalism, I mean, you've kind of got that all in this movie with different characters. You know, different characters are cannibals in different ways. You know, there, there's mentions of religion, of God, you know. Then there's you're thinking of it as a mental disorder in parts of this movie. And then you've got it at a necessity in this movie. So you've got almost all, I guess you'd call them subgenres of cannibalism represented <laughs> in this movie too. <laughs> I love how you use genres for everything, Zach. It's pretty fun. Yeah. It's my thing now. I love it. <laughs> different cannibalism genre. But no, you're right though, because if yeah, for the different the different um the different necessities for cannibalism are covered throughout different characters that we meet in the story. Obviously, we're talking about Bones and All, the new Luca Guadagnino movie that just released in 2022, starring Timothy, Timothy or Timothy, Timothy Chalamet. Does he, I think, does he say it that way? Yeah, apparently you pronounce, okay, you pronounce Timothy Chalamet, Timothy Chalamet. That, it's all new it's to me. It's got the little thing on it. It doesn't make me like him anymore. If anything, it goes up. Tim, so Tim. Well. Tim, Tim. Um, Taylor Russell, who is a revelation. Taylor Russell, Taylor Russell, I think this is her breakthrough role. And then the great Mark Rylance, who we were talking about earlier on before we started the podcast. So that's your main. And David Gordon Green has a cameo appearance as a character in the movie, which we won't spoil mm -hmm. right away, but he's in it. David Gordon Green, the director of the most recent Halloween franchise, Eastbound and Down, ton of stuff, ton of stuff. Yeah. Movies. TV shows, works a lot with Danny McBride, obviously with the Halloween. So he's in it too. And that's a movie we're going to be talking about. But I, I kind of want to get one thing that's off, off the top of my head right away is I personally don't think the, the subject of cannibalism in this movie is nothing other than metaphorical, really. I don't think it's, it's not a movie about cannibals. It's, it's a movie about love and obsession. It's really, it's, but it's been, but the, the, the act of cannibalism is a metaphor for what the movie's talking about. 
So it's as much mm. about the movie as I don't know, like if a movie was set during a storm, as as it would be about about being set during a storm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's not really. Mm-hmm. It's not really a movie. It doesn't. It doesn't talk about cannibalism. It doesn't explain or try to explain the reasons behind the cannibalism. It doesn't go into anything yeah, historically the- or factually accurate about <clears throat> cannibalism. It is simply yeah, the world just really isn't it. defined at all. Yeah, no, not at all because it's really not important. It's important because he's it. The, now this movie is based on a book, so I'm, I can't talk about the book because I haven't read the book. But I wanted to define with you guys what is the metaphor, what is cannibalism a metaphor for in this movie? That's the million dollar question in my mind. I mean, that's yeah, that's a tough one because they don't. <clears throat> there's no real in-depth explanation of of why they do what they do but they all seem to be at least to to the characters that we're introduced to there they all seem to be a little bit broken in some shape or form there's there's something missing in their lives to a certain degree um i mean trauma too trauma yeah or yeah uh, kids without fathers, kids without families. I mean, that's that's kind of a main theme, and it is just like the loss of family. Um, there is the exploration of sexuality in both of the characters. They're they're kind of they're exploring that, but they're also um, kind of trying to figure out how that works within what they're doing too. Um, because there's uh, there's like same sex relationships, um, and then there's the relationship between them. Uh, so, I mean, it, it, yeah, it could be it could be about loss. It could be about um, trying to find something to love because of that loss. There's I don't know. There's a there's a lot that I guess could be read into it there, but they don't. Um, they don't go too heavily in detail with it. I think one of the more tragic characters is the Ryling character. One because I one they don't really they don't explain the world to a great detail, so you don't know if it, if the act itself um, keeps them young to a certain degree because you don't know how old they are. I I, I don't. I assume that Ryland has been doing it for a very long time. No, I don't know if it's like longer than what his age is or not, but it it does appear that it's been going on for a very, very, very long time. And I don't know what the properties of, of the act itself kind of grant them. They do they do explain to a certain degree the feeling that that it that happens when they, when they do eat. But um, but they don't go any any further beyond that. Well, yeah. In terms of like, for what I thought of metaphor wise was the trauma. But like, all these characters had like a loneliness to them, like a drifter type of feel. But this one act, you know, every time they interact with each separate character, it brings them together in terms of how they are in society and where they're at outside of it. Uh, it it's constantly bringing them together but at the same time it seems like it's a separate world like they're not supposed to really you know the sully character talks about it being lonely and stuff like that and needing somebody but like i felt like this movie i 
I had a thought. It doesn't set up any rules for you. you yeah, know? there's yeah, there's no there's no rules in it has no interest. Maybe the book does, but the movie itself has no interest in in the rules of yeah cannibalism. Like, what? How does it make you feel? Um, is mm-hmm. it like it? We, it's described almost like it's it's described as a, a um, not like an addiction. It's described as mm-hmm. like this insatiable urge, but not in yeah. a way like it's not. It doesn't. It's not really described as an addiction. It's not like I have to feed today because I'm addicted. It's like you will you can go for a long time before feeding, and then you have this overwhelming urge to feed because you need it for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. I think the most obvious use of the metaphor is obviously is is love. I think I think for me anyway, if we think about the characters in the movie, and before I go on my fucking weird rant, here's a quick plot description <laughs> of the movie because if you're listening, you might be like, well, well what the fuck are you talking about? So. <laughs> Bones and All is set during the middle eight, middle of the 80s, I would say, was it like 1986, 1985? Mm-hmm. Yeah, around there. Covers the story of a, of a young lady who is in high school. We are introduced to her and we find out that through some events that unfold, that she has a proclivity to eating and consuming human flesh. We find out that she is living alone with her father. She's estranged from her mother. And her father is aware of what's going on. At first, when we see her the first time she decides to feed on somebody, she returns home to her father and her father acts completely the opposite of what, how we would expect him to act, where he's aware of what's happening. He's like, okay, we've got to get the fuck out of Dodge. We need to get out in three minutes. It's kind of like heat. It's kind of like if you can't get out in three mm-hmm. minutes, you know what I mean? <laughs> three minutes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So straight away, we, we are introduced to this, this young lady and her father. Her father's basically trying his best to manage his daughter's illness, let's say it's an illness, without any kind of guidance, without knowing how to do it, he's basically trying his best to maintain an, a normal life and give her, provide her a normal life. Mm-hmm. When he realizes that this becomes too much of a burden for him to do and he's not equipped to handle it, and then also with the inevitability that like this will never go away and this is something that will go on for the rest of their lives, he basically abandons her, and which leads her to basically go on this road trip odyssey across America to track down her biological mother. Mm-hmm. In the hopes of understanding her condition and understanding where she came from, on route on this uh, road trip, she runs into Timothy Chalamet's character, who is a drifter, and somebody else who shares the same disease, say so to speak. We'll use the word disease. I don't know how else to describe it. Mm-hmm. She also comes across a character called Sully, played by the wonderful Mark Rylance who is uh, an older gentleman who seems to be very sage and very wise, but also very mysterious. And he seems very mysterious because he is the only person that we're, he's the oldest person that we're introduced to who suffers from this ailment. And he seems to have a lot more answers. Whereas Chalamet is just kind of like, he gets described obviously as a junkie by somebody else, is somebody who's just thinks that they're in control of the situation, but isn't. Sully Mm. On the other hand, it's definitely the most interesting and dynamic of the characters because this is somebody who's fully adapted at living with this condition. He's in his looks like he's in his late sixties, early seventies. He's been around and he seems very, very of all of the characters, the one that is obviously the most adept at being a cannibal successfully and getting by and managing to maintain some semblance of a normal life. What ensues is this road trip. And a love affair uh, that basically spreads across the whole country. On this, and, and that's pretty much more or less 
the story of the movie without giving away any spoilers. Sorry, Eric, what were you going to say? No, no, I was going to I was going to say as far as Sully, it also seems like he has an idea of what the rules are, but those could also be made up. You know, th- those can be yeah. something that he's made up, you know. So, I yeah, don't know. Yeah, that's definitely interesting about him because he he seems like he has answers, but the ru- the rules that he tries to tell Taylor Russell's character, yeah, could just be rules that he's adapted to suit himself along the way. Exactly. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. yeah, Lee's character, Timothy Chalamet, he mentions in the movie something about that. I guess we can talk about in spoilers. Yeah, so that's basically the rough premise and outline of the movie. So what I was going to say was I think that if we think about the characters that we meet throughout the movie, the there's an expression, the title of the movie is called Bones and All, which comes from an expression that's used in the movie relating to when you go full bones. Full bones mm-hmm. is the act of consuming another human being entirely, bones and all. Now, according to one character, you are never quite the same after you go, you've had your first full bones. It's like a badge of honor amongst cannibals who, who live throughout the world, peppered throughout the world. And for me, I think full bones is, full bones to me is, the, is so I think we're just talking about love. You're never the same after your first love. Your first love is your first full bones. Mm. You're never the same. All of these characters, who we meet who are cannibals are all basically in love affairs in one form or another so we have sully's character who becomes mm-hmm. forms a dangerous obsession this is no spoilers but a dangerous obsession with um taylor russell's character that's love that's the need for companionship the need to be yeah. recognized by somebody else the need to share an experience with somebody else Taylor Russell's looking for her mother because she needs her the the love of a parent, the approval of a parent, the the the, the teachings and the guidance of somebody that's been uh, who've lived this life before her, the love of her mother. She meets mm-hmm. Timothy Chalamet and forms a love affair with him. Those two need each other to survive, to help each other, to be in love with each other. Chalamet, he is looking for love. I'm gonna have to be very careful what I say. I'm going to have to cut myself <laughs> off here for spoilers. I'll finish this thought later on because I don't want to give anyone any spoilers regarding characters yeah, and motivations. Yeah, yeah. But I think that's what it is. I think it's like it's like that uh, all-consuming um, feeling of love where you just you need the other person, you know what I mean? So you're basically, you need to consume everything about that other person because you need them. So it's like that, it's like that hunger. It's like a mm-hmm. hunger for love. And I think that's what the cannibalism is, really. It's like this hunger to be complete, to, 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 to have somebody else to make yourself feel complete. Yeah, because, yeah, they don't use it for sustenance, I don't think, because there's, there's a certain amount of time that goes by that they don't... They eat food. They eat, they eat regular yeah, food. They yeah, they eat food. Yeah, they, they, yeah just regular things. They so can it has go nothing years to do with sustenance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they can go years in between. The you need another human being for sustenance. You need a connection with another human being mm-hmm. for sustenance. In mm-hmm. in that's why it's not like vampirism in a sense where it's like if I don't feed, I'm going to die. You know what I mean? Like Morbius yeah. or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You, nobody's going to die if they don't have love. But we need love in order to to complete ourselves, mm-hmm. or we feel like we need mm-hmm. love to complete ourselves. And that love could be in a very variety of forms. It could be, yeah, the love of a mother, the love of 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 a friend, the love of a daughter, do- like loving a daughter, having a daughter, feeling like you know what I mean, that kind of a mm-hmm. love. All these, th- and it's all covered 
throughout all of the characters that we meet in one way or another, all these different angles. Do you think the yeah. love, though, comes out of a positive? Or do you think the love, when you're talking about, like, the metaphor for the eating, like, is it, like, them craving something that would cover up them, I guess, relapsing? No, I don't so think it's... Yeah, no. You don't think it's going that no. way? Because, like, you know, they can go years and years and then, you know, they relapse and they have to eat again and that's them falling in love again and then they're out. In a way, but just as we do as human beings, you know what I mean? Like, if you're in a, mm -hmm. a relationship with somebody then you feel you feel fulfilled by that other person, that other... You know that, like, um, you complete me, that, um... <laughs> uh, Jerry yeah, yeah, Maguire yeah. line, you know? It's yeah, yeah. you complete me. It's like, I need you to complete me. But like, you don't, but you go through different phases of your life where you need different people and you need that love from different people. You know what I mean? Or you find different love as you go on throughout your life. Your first love, you're never the same after your first full bones. You know yeah. what I mean? Mm -hmm, and you're not mm -hmm. because once, once, you've, once you've had your first love, that affects how you see love going on for the rest of your life. Romantic love, you know? Yeah. So you're mm. never the same. At, you know, we'll talk about like the ending. You definitely get that, you know, toward at the ending. So yeah, you definitely get that. Uh, I just felt, yeah, I just felt there were certain times where it was more of like an addict negative feeling of needing that love, that sustenance, that sustenance kind of feeling. But uh, towards the end, the yeah, the the story between uh, Chalamet and Russell's characters kind of gets more to that. To me, obvious. Uh, and when I'm watching it, but yeah, I can see where you're coming from. Oh yeah, and like, don't get me wrong. I think you can, just as in life, you can you can look for love in the wrong place, and you can and you can feel like you need to be, you need to have love in order to feel complete. But it, it the act of wanting to be loved and the act of loving somebody is is one thing. It just depends on the situation. But the act of needing love and and wanting to give love in itself is pure, but it depends on the circumstances, you know, but the act of, the, the feeling of that is a universal throughout all characters mm. for different reasons, but the, that feeling is, a, is the same. It's a universal feeling. Now, in Sully's case, it becomes toxic and dangerous and threatening, but it's still, it's still a human being needing, needing companionship and needing another person. Yeah. It just mm -hmm. so happens then, but just that as it is in life, you know what I mean? There's toxic relationships, there's negative relationships, there's, there's love that is unrequited, you know, but it's still yeah. a, a commonality that we all share for the most part, you know? So the essence of needing love or wanting to love is innocent, but it just depends on the circumstance, how everything else around it plays out. Mm -hmm. Well, let's get down to this. What, what did you think of the movie? Did you like the movie? Mm, I'm really fucking torn on this movie, guys. <laughs> really torn I'll, I'll let you guys go first i talk too much anyway fuck it <laughs> uh I'll, I'll go ahead um i did i did like it uh i liked i liked that it was it was slower than i thought it was going to be the the music was great the cinematography was great and it you know i, I like this time period i like that they that it was placed in this time period because if you put it any any later than the I think the world falls apart just because and we we discussed this after we saw it just because of technology alone you can't have it go past a certain point and not have this um plot device ruin the movie 
because of of how everything would spread so fast. So it has to be set in this time or an earlier time where where the world isn't so connected. I I kind of I bought into that aspect of it. Um, I like the the style of the of the movie. The characters are great. I mean, Ryland makes the movie. There's no doubt about it. Um, he's just he's he's far and above. Um, really kind of showing his chops in here and his little ticks that he does, the way that he, he carries himself is the way that he like clicks his teeth or, and like clicks his, you know, the, and all that it, it's in there. And he's, he's creepy, he's pathetic, he's sad and he's vicious and, and, and everything. And I think, um, I think he's really great. And he's the strongest part of the movie for me. Um, and but the the kids themselves are fine. They're they're fine. Uh, they do they do a good job. They, but I think they're kind of they they could be interchangeable, in my opinion, with with anybody who is um, within their age group acting right now. I think a, a lot of people could have pulled it off. N- not to take anything away from them, but I think the star of the movie is Ryland. Uh, and the uh, I said it before, but the soundtrack is is really great, and it, and it, I mean I love the soundtrack a lot. Uh, but I I think it was good. I think overall it is good. I I didn't. Um, I'm not super negative on it at all. I was I was very much into it as I was watching it, and um, I wasn't disappointed with uh, how everything played out. I was just I went along for the ride and I and I really enjoyed it. I think. Yeah, I uh, this was probably a surprise like for me because I was anticipating it being more of a I guess a dramatic Twilight like a a really teen drama kind of movie. Like I'm not a big fan of Timothy Chalamet, so it might have been that. But watching it, I I enjoyed it. It wasn't probably my top ten or anything like that, but I enjoyed. Like Eric said, uh, what was it, Mark? Is it Relance or Rylance? Rylance. Rylance. Yeah, like Eric said, he was definitely the best character in it. But I liked the pace it set. It was very much like a book almost, like the way a book would be. Like it has, there'd be certain little abbreviations for where they're going or this or that. And there's always some new event or some new character that they'd come across that you learn a little more about that world that they're in in terms of the cannibalistic you know realm. But I really enjoyed the buildup, and I thought the I can agree with uh, what Eric said about uh, the two uh, kids being interchangeable. Uh, but I thought Taylor Russell, I liked her her attitude in the beginning. She wasn't vulnerable, but she was not sure at all on how she was going to be working her way through this when her you know stuff happens but yeah i thought it ended with enough of satisfaction to where i didn't feel like i got chipped or anything like that i thought it had really cool scenes like i said with just section by section instead of it just being one long movie it it just kind of breaks it out for me so i didn't feel like because it kind of there are some points where it's a little slow in the middle um but I thought the scene was great. They had some really cool, reminded me of Nomadland. It had some really good open uh, aired scenery shot to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also, I don't read into when I'm watching movies like this, hardcore the metaphor. So it's like when I'm talking with you guys afterwards and stuff, then I'll it'll start trying to think about that. But 
as a movie movie you know without the metaphors just looking at that i enjoyed it that way a lot more than you know looking into what he really meant you know in terms of what he's trying to get across uh in this movie but yeah i liked it i would you know i saw it twice so you know i did enjoy it did you see see it twice you saw it twice yes i did so it wasn't bad yeah we went last night to see it no yeah as a last last minute thing because it was just showing at the theater next to us i've seen it three times now you're you're a crazy person yeah, I've got nothing going on in my fucking life. Well, I do have, I have way too much going on in my life. That's why I'm counterbalancing it by watching movies a lot. Well, I mean, that's why it's like, I can see why Scott's on the fence. Because it is one of those, like, you see it the first time. And I was like, this movie's awesome. And you see it the second time. And there is, there's just weird whole plots and stuff like that. But there's also really cool stuff that you see that you may have missed on the first time around that you mm. see the second time around that's pretty cool. So you're like, uh, it makes certain characters even more creepy and stuff like that. So, mm. yeah, I mean, I thought it was pretty good. Maybe like a six or seven out of 10 for me. Well, I think for me, um, you remember a little while back, we did that episode where we give our top, the top three most anticipated for the rest of the year. I mm-hmm. think this was my number one most anticipated movie for the year when we did that episode. So I was super hyped going into this because I am admittedly i've never seen call me by your name so i've never seen that movie Mm. but i am fucking obsessed with suspiria i think it's one of the best (laughs) horror movies i've ever seen it's one of my favorite movies i've ever seen i put it in my top 20 for sure I, i think it's fucking incredible that movie so i was extremely hyped for this coming off him making suspiria with his specific eye for detail so i can't speak about his other movies but there's something that he does is specifically in Suspiria where he seems like Dario Argento described that version of Suspiria as interior design. It's a movie about interior design, not a horror movie. He hmm. was like his way of subtly dissing it. Because if, and I know exactly what Argento is talking about because that movie is crafted to within an inch of its life, is specifically the interiors. The interiors are incredible. Like it's visually stunning that movie in the the amount of time for like set design and like there's nothing in that movie that feels if you, everything feels like it's been placed meticulously planned out. So when you when you see a scene in Suspiria and you see in the background, everything looks like they spent weeks putting it together perfectly. Like where should we put this chair? Where should we, which angle should we have the bed on? Where should the the, the what pictures should be on the wall? And, how should they be arranged? And that's all over this movie. It's all over. You look inside the homes. I haven't seen a movie. This movie was made in 2021, I'm guessing. Mm. I don't think I've seen a movie that looks more vintage correct, that's made modern on a, as a period movie. Because everything in this movie, when they go in people's houses, they go in diners, truck stops, cars, outfits, everything looks like it's like there's a scene in a grocery store and everything looks immaculately placed and correct there's so much visual detail in in the worlds that he builds and i don't know if these other movies are like this but i'm like semi obsessed with it like i i'm obsessed with this his obsession for like framing it's all framing like how he frames his shots how he frames everything i think he's a spectacular director so I was super excited for this movie and the movie does not disappoint on that front at all. The movie is fucking beautiful from start to finish. The vis- most visually beautiful movie of the year, hands down. Like, 
it just destroys everything else in my opinion in, in that regard has my favorite shot of the year which is the scene where um taylor russell's character is called marin marin is escaping from her her father's apartment she climbs out through the window just like teen girls do to go to stay at a sleepover and she climbs out and it's during a storm so the wind's blowing a gale she climbs out of her her, of her window and the side of her trailer where she lives it's backlit so the shadows of all the trees blowing in the wind are cast against her as she runs through and it's just it's just amazing it's such a good shot and it's very like wizard of oz esque you know where she leaves and it's just like the storm's kicking up and it's you can never go back to you know what i mean like we're not in kansas anymore i feel like the minute she leaves that house is kind of like the catalyst for all of this stuff to happen and it is literally the the plot point that triggers everything when she leaves and what happens when she leaves so i love that and i and i love there's so much about this movie i love on a technical level and i think the performances are good i think just like eric said and to mirror zach the character of Sully, played by Mark Rylance, is uh, he just disappears in the role. He feels like he feels like he is Sully. It doesn't feel like somebody's playing Sully. That mm. feels like this crazy guy who probably is out there because it's so convincing and unnerving, and he's fascinating and he's such an interesting character. He's incredible. The I've seen the movie three times. The movie gets more depressing every time you watch it. Um, <laughs> to mirror what Eric said, the soundtrack is killer. Trent Reznor did the soundtrack. Uh, he has a song uh, towards the end of the movie. Yeah. And a little something for Eric and a little something for me in this. This has my favorite band of all time, New Order, on the soundtrack. Mm -hmm. And then Eric <laughs> has Joy Division on there. And me and Eric always argue because I think New Order is better than Joy Division. So um, okay. and I, sta I stand corrected <laughs> in that because um, it's my favorite New Order song too. So it's so much for me to love in this. Like so much for me to love. The movie, I just, I can't decide if I like it though. I really can't, which is really <laughs> weird. I, I think in order for this movie to work, to really, really work, you need to believe the love story between the central characters and you need to, mm. you need to get invested in that love story. And I was talking about this with my friend last night. She was, she just got out of Bones and All and she got out the same time me and Zach did. And she actually texted me when I was in the parking lot. She was like, just got out of Bones and All. And I was like, that's fucking weird. I just got out of Bones and All. And we're talking about it. And um, we were talking about Timothy Chalamet's or Timothy Chalamet's performance. I just fucking don't like him. It's not that I don't mm. like him. I just, I don't. Think you don't like that, him in this movie, or you? I don't, don't think he's that like, good of an actor. Okay, I, I, agree. I, I okay. don't like. I don't see it. I don't see it. Now, I just find him distracting. Like, I, I, he seems calculated when he's acting to me, and it, and it, he feels stagey to me. He doesn't feel natural. Like, it doesn't feel natural at all. She feels very natural. And I think her performance, at first I wasn't that fussed on, then it got better. I think second time, third time, I actually really like her performance now a lot. Um, it, it grew on me, but there's something about him, man. I just, I don't like him in June either. Like, he's, I think he's the weakest part in June. I, I just think he is. <laughs> it's going to be a tough ride then, coming up. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Um, I. I don't know what it is about him and I just don't, I don't now his performance aside, I think the way their love story is written just doesn't really, I don't see him. I don't really see him being affectionate to her. Like it, there's, it, there's not much like physical connection between the two of them and there's not much touch mm. and there's not much, it almost feels like a, it, it doesn't feel sexual, their relationship at all to me. It looks uncomfortable when they're, yeah. 
yeah, it just feels like like it I don't get any I don't get any like physical connection between the two of them. And I don't know whether that's because of the performances or the way it's written or the way it's being staged. But yeah. There's there's no like tenderness between the two of them really. Is there really? Like is the moments where we see them just like looking at each other or like it it just doesn't feel organic as like a it feels like she meets him and then he's like, oh, well, yeah, you might want to hang along, tag along with me. And he's doing his like kind of like edgelord shit. And then she's kind of like, oh, can I come <laughs> along with you? And then it's like all of a sudden then they're dating. Like I didn't really, I didn't really see them like being forming like this shed. Well, maybe, maybe thing. it's a relationship of uh, necessity? circumstance. Yeah. Yeah. Necessity, circumstance. Yeah. yeah. Which to yeah. me doesn't feel like, they don't feel like starstruck lovers. Like I was thinking about this. We were talking my friend, she really likes him. I think she fancies him. And uh, as I guess most, there was a ton of young girls that are showing last night. So yeah, you know what I mean? He's a handsome mm. little bugger. And I know he's like the mm -hmm. heartthrob of the moment. But we were talking about, I was like, I was calling him the poor man's Leonardo DiCaprio. Because <laughs> give me, give me the basketball diaries. Give me like that kind of young DiCaprio where he's very organic and natural. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And he's just like, I don't know. There's some like I think I'm supposed to think that he's cool, in order to think like to buy that he could be this heartthrob. Have you given it any thought who you would rather have in that role? Currently, I would rather age it up. Okay, I'd rather age it up. I mean, because in that age group, oof, it's tricky. Because I don't think I like a lot of actors in that age group. Who would you? Who would what about you? About like an Andrew pick? Garfield. Andrew Garfield? Well, no, he's I too think... old. He's oh, in his mid thirties. Right. that old? He's in his mid thirties. Oh, but, is he? Okay, but. Give me the mid thirties version of this. Yeah. I, what I'm trying to say is, I know you're going to hate me making this reference and I made it last night is Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet, Claire Danes, Leonardo DiCaprio, the, the section in which they meet each other at the party. And then they basically are standing on either side of a fish tank and they're looking at each other and they're kind of flirting at each other. And he's like, oh my God, you're so pretty. Mm -hmm. And she's like, oh my God, you're a stud. You're a dreamboat, whatever. <laughs> Just fucking watch that scene. And see and see what like it's wild the connection that they have like the chemistry that they have as actors and like the way it's for that's if like if you're gonna sell me Romeo and Juliet in 1985 Ronald Reagan's America sell me Romeo and Juliet sell me a doomed love story they're not selling me the doomed love I don't get the I don't get the like the tragic love story I just don't I don't they they break up this isn't a spoil for the movie but there's a section where on this road trip they go their separate ways for a little while and and it's just like yeah whatevs you know what i mean like yeah. <laughs> i was actually amazed that they they met back up again because i was like there doesn't feel like there's any pressing need for these characters to meet up again because it's not like i buy that they're in a, in a, and that's that for me is the biggest failing of the movie that the movie didn't sell its love story to me okay Okay, so you're just middle of the road. I mean, you'd say, "Hey, go see it." You might, you might enjoy it. You might buy into this, or you know, you could skip it. it, it I mean, if you're yeah, if right you're not into te teenage love and cannibalism, it's probably not like in your lane, really. Yeah, I th I'm right down the middle. I think for a movie that's as good as it is, I'm pretty non fussed about it. Hmm. I don't think I'd watch it again. I don't think I would own it, which is so disappointing because it's doing so other good. It's doing so much other good shit. But it's, I think you should you watch uh, "Call Me by Your Name" just to have a. I mean, he's in it all for all of it. Um, just to kind of have a reference because if you really like the way that Suspiria is shot, if you like the way that Bones and All is shot, I think you're you're 
equally going to love the way that uh, Call Me By Your Name is shot just because of there's a there, he has a really good kind of language for landscapes for like those outside shots for those like big master shots in, yeah. the, in the whole thing and and then also those 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 interior shots too um and i think it all takes place on the i is it i don't know if it's italy or i for, i forget the location i forget the location but it's like a countryside like a european countryside something like that um but really good uh it, it was really good um i enjoyed it though i i've only seen it once but i enjoyed it when i saw it um but i think yeah well let's sell me on chalamet i think he's likable in it uh i think he's a little bit more tragic in call me by your name okay i'll give it a try i think he's i think he's a bit more like tragic but he's also it's also set in a in a real world too so I don't know. Yeah, it's not like a heightened yeah. kind of environment. Yeah, yeah. I think it's worth a watch, you know. Okay. Um, so we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk spoilers for Bones and All. Yes. Bones. Zach's going to get his full bones in the next half. <laughs> <laughs> back for spoilers so if you haven't um seen bones at all go ahead and pause come back and then we're gonna spoil the whole thing um so have you have you gave it any thought as far as like the whole idea of cannibalism does the movie need that meaning can you replace cannibalism with heroin addiction or something along those lines nothing supernatural at all does that change the movie for you substantially um because i think that i like the idea of cannibalism just because it's something that i hadn't seen before and i i wasn't sure how i would kind of take it you know but i've seen those movies where it's like Young couple in love, young couples, a couple of drug addicts, but you know you're really kind of rooting for them. And then you have this, you have this other presence, be that the Mark Rylance character who is also in their situation and wants to be more in charge of what's going on. And you know you've seen that movie before, pretty much. So does the does the gimmick? I'll just call it gimmick. Does the gimmick of cannibalism? Uh, help or hinder the movie itself uh i think it's such a unique concept that it it would change it if you were to make it about addiction or something like that to where it was uh like if she was abandoned by her drug addict mom and that's that was her whole premise for going on her trip whatever it was like why am i a drug addict or whatever when my mom is a drug she never told me it doesn't have the same 
just not even it's it's a gimmick but it comes across as real like like yeah. the way they do it it's not zombie like or it's not i guess you could say supernatural it's not grotesque in that way that people have seen in horror movies to me this is like the first time i've seen a cannibal or an eating human type of movie where it's like oh this makes sense if they've got some kind of unknown affliction and i think that helps build up their travels as they go because it's such a a big topic i guess on the surface of why she's running and how it gets started so quickly but i think if you take out the cannibalism them her working away to her mom it will not have the same storyline like when they meet up with like the carnival guy or they meet up with uh, the the hillbilly redneck and his friend and stuff. Mm -hmm. If it's just gonna be something like drugs or something like that, where they it doesn't have the same effect. It would be like you like you said, and we we've all seen that movie a million times. It would be just another love drama, you know, built around. Yeah, you know, I think it would just turn into Badlands if if you've seen like Terrence Malick's Badlands. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It would just kind exactly. of be like a. A remake of that. That came up quite a bit. Um, Badlands is probably the biggest point of comparison for this movie. I haven't like heard or read any like press or anything on this movie at all. Oh yeah, like one hundred percent. Like the the journey across America, their their love affair, him being older than her, her being slightly mm. young. It's very Badlands. And then also, Chalamet, I believe, was on record of saying, I think it's, I think he said this, but. It, he, the way he chose to play Lee, Lee is written differently in the book than he is in the portrayed in the movie, and his decision was to play him opposite, like to the opposite of the way Martin Sheen's character plays out. So he was playing him oh. less alpha male, less butch alpha male, more fragile, insecure, pretty boy. Like you know what I mean? Like he, he yeah, wanted yeah, to yeah. soften him yeah. into playing yeah. more feminine and less. Um, like toxic masculinity of of Martin Sheen's character in Badlands. Hmm. There's another movie I was thinking about too. Is the Edward Norton movie with Rachel? Rachel Evans. Oh uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Was that the one where he's a cowboy? Yes. What the hell's that movie called? Um, oh, um, you know what I'm talking that about. Was though. The Hollywood video, yeah, yeah that which is also video. like a play on Badlands too. In in like, but it, yeah, it, it the. So yeah, so like this story, I think this is like an archetypal love story that's been played out in cinema before, like this troubled teens on the run, one older than her, is he taking advantage of her, is he leading her astray, you know what I mean, that kind of thing. Um, yeah. To answer your question, I think that this movie plays just as well without the cannibalism. Now, that's not okay. to say that I, I'm not interested, I think the cannibalism angle is like fascinating, it adds an extra layer to the characters in in an extra layer into the to the world it makes the world seem a little bit more mysterious a little more dangerous but you could easily mm -hmm. remove it and i think everything plays exactly the same but i i will say there's the one scene that like to me it was like the connection scene of like her first interaction if you were to change when she and sully eats that lady and they they're they have that connection they dry off and they're talking in the kitchen if you were to change that to like them shooting up or something like that, to me, it wouldn't have as big a connection as, you know, the way they visually have them, you know, eating that lady together as like, you know, he's thinking they're friends now and they have that really 
intimate conversation in the kitchen with the hair braids and stuff like that, which that came up later on the movie. I felt like, yeah, some of these scenes, if you were to switch it out, it wouldn't have as intense of a connection. If like when I was watching it, I felt like that was like, like primalistic. It was like them as like a two person cannibalistic society, you know, a ritualistic eating after she, you know, they waited till she died. You know, they didn't kill her. So like, I felt like that's just me. Like I felt like yeah, it it definitely was a unique way of connecting people. Well, yeah, but to counter that though, um, just to play devil's advocate, <laughs> sure that that connection is only important to Sully. She doesn't give a fuck about the fact that they dried off together, it, it, or that they ate together, or uh, or that he taught well, her. I how mean, to that's smell. what I'm saying though. So like, yeah, but I'm in terms of like. If you were to remove them eating that woman, it it, it it's only that that scene's only important to him. It's only uh like, but but you could replace that for her just abandoning him. Like if he took her under his wing and he was like, "You're a lost girl. I'm a lost." You know what I mean? Like, like I, this is why we'll, we'll stay in this house tonight. We'll we'll eat here because you can stay here. If, like, you know what I mean? There's a way around it. I think. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't think the written movie's written around the cannibalism. I think the cannibalism is just in the plot of the movie. Well, I mean, like what you're talking about with the, the Wikipedia and the cannibal and stuff like that. I think, the, like you said, the way Sully takes it is it's very ritualistic. He has his rules and stuff like that. I just don't think you would get the same obsession with him following them all around the country just because of if it was... Uh, uh, substituted for something else that he was that they were both afflicted with or engaged in. I just feel like you know him traveling out in his van. And yes, cannibal. I know they it could be something, but like it's. I was just I was really intrigued by how they used the cannibalistic thing in it as like and to me that's something so like you said so taboo that it would make somebody instead of just being like some old drug addict dude who befriended a girl and like you know was really obsessed. I felt like that that type of obsession was like particular to this world, so yeah, that was just that's just my take on it. Oh, and that um, that Edward Norton movie is called Down in the Valley. That's oh yeah, mm. great movie. <laughs> great movie. Uh, yeah. I was like, oh, what is that? What is that movie called? Yeah, yeah Down in the Valley. Um, and that's a that's a good one if you haven't seen it before, or it's a different take at least. Um, so the I really I really like the setting of it. As far as like the time period, everything like that, it seems that uh, the director is really good at at honing in on the on those that genre, that time period. The um, I don't think there's been anything, at least from what I've seen, at least set anything in kind of a modern time. So there there's a very, there's a lot of attention to detail in there. There's a lot of like like you said before. Uh, period correct um scenes you know especially like like in the south everything's like dairy queen and like uh like uh, tore up um dilapidated like housing that that everyone is living in everyone's driving trucks the whole thing then the music which i think everyone appreciated on on all aspects scott myself and zach, zach i mean yeah. It's like, it's like I mean, the kiss. Yeah. Oh my god. It's so it's so weird that like we we saw a movie where it it incorporated like three different bands uh of a different time that we, we all, all three 
yeah, love or and appreciate it. It's so strange to have that all just in one movie. Yeah. And um he seems to do that in his in his other movies as well. Uh, I don't remember the music so much in Suspiria. I think it was probably all classical pieces, if I remember right. But it, but it's been a while. Tom York stuff, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then yeah. Um, uh, Call Me by Your Name. It was a lot of eighties um, uh, pop, to nice. psychedelic or stuff like that. Oh, really? Um, I, I oh, watch yeah, it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You should. That's good. Um, yeah, I mean, does, does the setting, does the setting work for you? Does it, oh, 100%. if it's set, it, it, yeah, if it, it's set in, does this movie work in like a current setting? No, not I at think all. I think I, no, yeah. I mean, being from like being all the way around the South and just have been Alabama, Mississippi, all that stuff for my whole life. There are a lot of towns that are not updated when it comes to, mm building architecture vehicles a lot of places don't actually have car car lots some of the size of that town and stuff there's a lot of like mcminville there's there's some parts of mcminville that are still so you could i mean there are some places you could take it and the vehicles would be early 90s still and you could probably do a mid 90s early 90s take on it i mean still i was out of mcminville last year and there there are some parts and i'm sure there's parts of mississippi alabama that i've been through where it's it's still rural and they're still probably 15 20 years behind. So I mean, <laughs> yeah. Some some places in the south you could get away with it if you were to shoot it right and you know yeah. really take away telephone wires and stuff like that. Um but in the south it 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 is possible. I don't know if the movie works um the way that it does if it's shot west coast east coast. If this is set in California uh, at that in the 80s this is a different movie. If it's set in New York in the eighties, this is a different movie. So I think I think oh, like oh, yeah. the the yeah. region is like it's perfect for the story that they tell. I think yeah. Oh, is, they go. Is it um, Nebraska? N- Nebraska, yeah. I think, is the furthest west they go, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think um, I think the setting is is perfect. The time period is perfect because, like we said, you can't be a roving cannibal in 2022 <laughs> because you just not. You can't no. steal fucking cars. You can't do. You 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 yeah. can't get your prints anywhere, DNA anywhere. Like I mean, it's just it. It would be this story would be feasibly impossible to tell in a modern day setting because it just would. It'd be it'd be so ridiculous. It just wouldn't happen. Yeah. You could yeah. see that shit happening in the late seventies. Oh, you could you could put this 50s, 60s, 70s, eighties, but eighties is the very end of it. Like, yeah, the very end, mid eighties would be the very end of it. Um, and I think so. The, the the time period is great. I have an affinity for that time period in general. I just like movies set in the eighties. It's like my favorite mm-hmm. period for movies. I was going to ask you guys, in terms of the actual act of cannibalism, the violence and the gore, I'm. I think this movie is a perfectly palatable, no pun intended, no pun intended. There's nothing particularly offensive uh, or grotesque. I mean, that I if, if it doesn't anything, linger, it, do, it no, doesn't it does, linger. It doesn't at all. feel yeah. exploitative. It doesn't feel like yeah. it's um, it doesn't feel perverse in its in its uh, its gaze to do with the violence yeah. that's in the movie. It, it's oddly beautiful. The amount of blood and the blood spatter, and then like the 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 scene when she when which is so fucking stupid like i anyway i'll get into that later where he's like oh just eat me just eat me i want you to eat me there's a there's like there's like a tenderness to the the cannibalism there's like 
they have like a, it's almost like a way, reverence yeah. <laughs> when they're eating the body is like a reverence for what they're about to eat. It, yeah, it, it's yeah. oddly beautiful, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that scene where they're uh, they're eating the old lady in the top, he cuts away nicely. You know, he doesn't like they show him eating them, but he just doesn't, he doesn't stay on it. Yeah. He doesn't stay yeah. on them just consuming the whole thing. Like he cuts back to the body laying there, and you know you can see that they've ate everything. Yeah, but it's, so it's, ju- like, it's just like it's just almost out of frame. It's like yeah, yeah. It's inside the doorway right it's just there. So just a second. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, this movie in the hands of a lesser director would be trash, probably. Um, honestly, trash. It would uh, well go one or two ways. It would, in the hands of a lesser director, it wouldn't be as violent as it is, or it would be more violent than it is. With less substance and less unnecessary, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, unnecessarily, yeah. So it yeah. goes one or two they would ways. Just focus more on that, yeah, yeah, definitely. I thought at the beginning, I thought it, I thought it helped. It started off really quick, you know, on the get go. Like I thought it was going to be one of those slow starters where you know it's you're learning a little bit, little bit. What did you guys think about once she bites off the girl's finger? <laughs> well. The thing is, it's like you're just waiting for it to happen. Um, if you have any idea about what this movie is, yeah, you know it eventually yeah. it's going to happen. I if you walk into this having no idea whatsoever, that is going to freak you out right away. So I kind of like that idea of walking into a theater, sitting down, thinking you're watching this like teenage love story, and then it turns into this. That has to be quite an experience. It's a better um, movie. It's a better movie if you don't know about the cannibalism going in. And it's funny you said that because that's what my friend texted me last night when she saw it. She didn't know. She just knew it was oh, wow. Chalamet <laughs> and she knew that Trent yeah. Reznor did some of the score in, in uh, it was a Luca Guadagnino. And that's why she went for those three reasons. She had no idea. It's, <laughs> See, well, what, what I wish I had that. She, she liked it. I wish I had that yeah. experience. I fucking wish I had that experience because I think I would like this movie so much more. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, I didn't know if anybody, I liked that the pace quickened so quickly. Like, I didn't like, I didn't, I wasn't looking forward to it slowly getting to that part because i thought maybe mm-hmm. that's what it'd be like you'd have to wait 30 minutes for it to actually jump yeah. start mm-hmm. i really like that they i mean it was like five minutes and she's at the friend's house and then the movie goes yeah yeah but then it just it it like it's a long movie too it is a long um, movie yeah. for, for what it is for what it is it's a long movie and then so in that middle section it really slows down a lot um, I wish in that slowdown part that they explain the world just a little bit more, you know, but uh, that could just be me wanting to know, just liking lore, like world building yeah. or whatever. Mm. I just wanted to know a little bit more how it all works, where it started, something like that. But, you know, it, it doesn't need it. It's not necessary. That's just like, that's just my, just a preference for me, um, just because I, I want to be more invested in the world. Um, but I, I like it. Even if it doesn't explain that to me, I can fill in the, my own kind of ideas of it regardless. Oh, yeah. And to mention some things that you notice on repeat viewings that we did, I, I like, and I can just speak, Zach's got some good ones, he'll tell us. But I, um, the one thing I noticed second time round, no, sorry, well, yeah, sec- technically, what I didn't pick up the first time I saw it was when she goes to visit her mother, she finally locates her mother and she's in a mental institute or like a psychiatric ward or whatever it is. 
very depressing place. It played by the great Chloe Sevigny. It's Chloe Sevigny, isn't it? I'm pretty sure that's Chloe yeah. Sevigny. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. Fucking great cat. She's so great. Anyway, when she finally meets her mother and her mother attacks her after she's reading the letter and it's, and, and it's narrated by Chloe Sevigny as, as her mother reading mm-hmm. the letter to her when she's in the ward with her. Now she's lost the ability to speak and we see that she doesn't have hands. She has like nubs where her hands would be. Um, so mm. we can put two and two together on our head and say, well, she's probably like ate her own hands. As that story plays out, it, it, what I didn't realize first time I saw is if you listen to what she's saying, you guys probably already pick it, figured this out, but it was a revelation to me is when she's, hey, I wish I wish I knew this is a letter. Basically, tr- I, I, I want to explain this life to you. And, and like, if there's a way I can, um, I'm going to relieve this burden from you. So basically her plan all along was if her daughter came there to read the letter, was that she's going to kill her daughter. So like when she attacks her daughter, it's not that she's this rabid monster who needs to feed. She's basically trying to she's basically trying to relieve the burden of this from her daughter. Um, so yeah. it's not like but I read it initially that she was just like she was so far gone that she was so far down this stage of like this her your condition as a cannibal deteriorates until the point where you're like a rabid animal. You know what I mean? You just have to yeah. eat. That's not the case at all. And I really like that because it makes it far more interesting in general, you know, mm. because yeah. it's not like it, we're, we're not, it, it's not, it doesn't make, it makes the act of cannibalism more interesting if we were to take it as it on its face value is what it is that she didn't just descend into that. And I think I thought that was like a big revelation that I had second time around watching that. I think I just kind of skipped that and I don't know why I did. I also skipped um, in my head and I think we talked about this when we saw the movie is the, as uh, Sully collects uh, human hair from yeah, each one of his victims yeah, and he, yeah. he's formed this yep. massive braid, which is like 15 feet A bag long. of, bag of hair. Yeah, bag yeah. of hair. Yeah. I, and in the confusion and the excitement of the last scene where um, Lee's fighting Sully, trying to get him off Marin. In in all of that, I didn't notice the 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 lock of blonde hair on the braid, and I didn't put two and two together and realize that was his sister, and that he's obviously been to see his sister. And then when I watched it again, you could tell Marin say, "Hey, don't worry about that right now," because he looks, he holds the lock, and he's like, "Oh, you must have got Kelly. I think that's his name, his sister." Yeah. Kayla. And then yeah. I I was that I totally didn't get that first time around. Uh, it goes back to that uh, that whole thing. If they show you a gun in the movie, they're it's going to come up later, sort of thing. So that's if, the gun. If yeah, it, yeah. If if they if they if he brings out the bag of hair in the beginning and kind of shows the idea and the philosophy behind it, puts it away, and then it comes out later again. Well, it's like, well, we've already seen this. Why are we seeing it again? So they're trying to show us something new here. And then the the only real blonde person in that movie was his sister or like at least that you noticed right away. And there's that that shock of blonde hair that's attached to it where everything else is either gray or brown. It really stands out. Yeah. And you can't like the first time seeing it, when she pulls it out and shows the blonde one when Chalamet's gotten stabbed, he's bleeding on the wall. Second time around, you can hear him say he got Kayla, but he says it so soft that I'm sure a lot of theater people, like you just can't hear it just the way the sound was. But like, you know, I thought what the biggest like little, it's not an Easter egg, but something that you notice like the first or maybe the second, first and second, you know how he pulls up with the TV repair van when, uh, she's left Chalamet, whatever. 
if you go back to the scene where her and Shalme are pulling up to the adopted mom's old the old lady's house, uh, where she's gonna ask about where her mom is. If you look two blocks backwards, you'll see that TV repair van parked there, just watching. Mm. And then when she goes into and then when she goes into the dining room to talk with the old lady, you see the TV repair van slowly go by the window. It's I was like, holy <laughs> shit, man, he's following her and shit. I love that. <laughs> Thinking about the braid, you know how you said you, you can tell it stand, it sticks out like a sore thumb, that shock of bright yellow hair. It also looks at, because of all of the, now that hair is old, but hair doesn't change, like dead hair doesn't change color. But all of the other hair looks like it could be from older women, which I guess in his, his proclivity yeah. to eat. So it, al it almost feels as if like he's never eaten a young girl before. And because of the because of the hair, in that case, that also ties in nicely to the fact of his like fucking rage at Lee, you know, for taking away Marin. So he goes, it's almost like Sully's completely broken his own rules and gone off path yes, because of the, because exactly. of the situation. So like he's ate Kelly out of fucking anger and spite to get back at Lee mm -hmm. for taking Marin away yep. from him. Because yeah, all all of the other hair looks like it could belong to an old lady. You know, he's like the the the, the deer hunter, the old deer hunter, <laughs> just killing yeah, old ladies. <laughs> yeah, like Harold. Shipman. Yeah, or he, like he he can be like he he. I mean, he's his character's super charming. So it's like he probably goes up to the house repairman or yeah or whatever the case is. Like I'm here to fix this or that or how you doing sort of thing and. And finagles his way into the into the house sort of deal. So you see that happening a lot, and you don't see him. You can't imagine at least him talking to younger women or no, not young girls and stuff like that because no one because they're just not going to talk to him sort of thing. But an older woman would. Um, so when like he's exposed to to. Um, to Marin, uh, Marin's character, he's he's probably never spoke to a a young woman in decades, I would assume, and he's super obsessed with that idea. Yeah, and he says to her like, "Yeah, you'd be around my daughter's age if I had a daughter." Yeah, so creepy. Yeah, super creepy. <laughs> um, like honestly, props to his performance. The last scene where he, he he attacks her in the apartment and he lays down on top of her there's a lot of if you watch it and it, because the that scene is shot in close up with just their two faces like torso up on and as he's laying on top of her credit to the performance because he's touching her a lot like he's touching her a lot he's touching her face he puts his hand on her chest he keeps playing with her lips he lays his head on her chest when he's talking Kisses her cheek. Uh, yeah. So credit to his performance because he obviously in real life is a much older man than this young girl. The intimacy of that scene and how awkward it is. It given his, it, I just think it's a, it's a, it's, it's very well played because it is it the the intimacy and the physical touch between them is very upsetting and very and very like difficult to watch. And it's that's why it's so fucking effective. And in his performance is like fearless in regards to that, you know, because there's obviously boundaries where like actors must have boundaries where it's like you can't get too close. Oh, you got to be careful how you touch somebody, especially when you're dealing with somebody who's younger, you know. And in like, I just think like the the level of maturity in terms of how that was handled, it, it it's it, it was very effective, like very very chilling and like 
fucking killer performance by him um as sully just he steals the movie uh, so talking about things that we didn't notice okay i don't want to ask i really want to this is one scene that really bugs me and i want to talk about it so we understand that lee makes a confession that he um he kills his father his father attacks him and his sister so basically he takes him out to a bar a barn to cool him off he basically ties him up takes him out of barn cool him off and at that point is when he eats him because he realizes yeah. he has that hunger himself so he and then he realizes his dad's also a cannibalism and then he's like yeah i ate my dad and i felt fucking amazing worst line delivery of the movie by the way too when he tells her that on the thing <laughs> yeah. i'm like shut up chalamet fucking edgelord <laughs> so he there's a when marin decides to leave and she goes off on her own path it's just after the confrontation with her mother and i think she's obviously kind of she's freaking out she's bottoming out she's also kind of like she rejects she's pushing him away because she's like everybody in my life's fucking abandoned me everybody's fucking asshole uh, nobody set me on the i could have avoided being who i was if my mother had to talk to me earlier on my dad left me you're being fucking weird so she kind of like freaks out and runs away goes off on a run afterwards in that scene we see chalamet calls his sister and he's like hey i'm coming home and he's very upset because obviously he's, he's lost the love of his life um and then there's a scene where he's sleeping inside of his truck and then we have like a dream sequence section that only lasts and it's very quick it focuses on we we don't hear we don't see anything while he's sleeping in the car, but we hear the sound of a door sliding open and then slamming. And I'm like, well, what what's that door? Like, where's that coming from? Is that the bond door? Is he thinking? Are we having a flashback to the bond door where he kills his father? And is that the sound of the bond door opening? It goes in, or is that sliding sound the sound of a van door opening? Because we know Sully's driving around in a van, so the. You know that I don't know if you've ever been in an old van, but like I used to be in them all the time. But when you slide that door back and it goes and it slides back in, that could also be the sound of Sully's van because Sully's stalking them at that point in time because he sees yeah. her run off. So we know that I think it's just it, and then what happens is in that sequence we see um he's wearing that this is not a Fugazi t shirt. I don't know if you noticed that. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I didn't notice that. Yeah, he has that, yeah, that shirt. Sick. Uh, and then he's beating. He, we see him killing somebody with a tire iron, hitting somebody with a tire iron, and blood spraying up everywhere. And then we also get a jump cut flash shot of David Gordon Green's character, who is the guy who tags along with the other cannibal, who's not actually a cannibal. He's just a pervert and a psychopath who likes to eat people, but he doesn't feel the compulsion to eat people. Um, his yeah. character is fucking fascinating. My question to you is why do we have that jump cut to him? What like I'm trying to understand what that that is. Like it, is he killing him with a tire iron? Did he run back into those guys or is that his father I you know what I mean? That doesn't no, make any sense I, to me. I think that he's I think he's kind of wrestling with this idea that he's a bad person, that he that he's always going to be this vicious killer and there's nothing that there's no amount of kind of probably love or or affection or anything of that nate anything like that that is going to change the nature of what he thinks he is and that is just a bad evil person um because there is a whole not a monologue but there's this whole kind of almost talking about how with the sister, 
isn't it wasn't it with the sister where where it was like yeah he he was always getting in trouble this whole thing yeah. and mm-hmm. yeah. everybody thought he was just kind of like a piece of shit sort of deal and and he's having to deal with all that and he's having to deal with the like the violence in his life and he doesn't see a kind of a way past it when he kills that um the guy that he picked up he killed him in such kind of a brutal way that we're almost given the impression that he he is a psychopath and there's nothing that could be changed about that. So I think that's just him wrestling with it with this idea of of being an evil character to, in his own mind. And later on when they get together, they're just like let's just try and be normal people. And he seemed to he's he also kind of seemed to thrive in that environment too. So it's like that that's almost a, a a redemption side of his character where he can be normal and he can do day to day things and he seems to be all right in that situation, um, not having to fall back on this idea that he's just a psychopathic killer. Thank you. Because that makes perfect sense, and it was very, very <laughs> eloquently put. That no, it does. I totally didn't think of that. You're totally right. Uh, are we assuming, which is not possible? Are we assuming she ate him bones and all at the end? Good question. And that she has his essence when they have like the the whole uh, scenic shot where she's behind him on the the whole grassy plains. Well, did she eat both of them bones and all? You can't bend yourself enough to eat all of yourself. <laughs> yeah there's no way a little girl i mean she what probably weighs like a buck 10 like 110 pounds there's no way she could eat mark rylance and him bones and silly and lee yeah. bones and all well, my, but that's the whole thing but i like, mean he like he, lee wasn't there to help eat sully because they, they're they both basically died i think we're led to believe that she does eat him bones and all she goes full boat. She gets her fun, full bones from him. Yeah. And that's because he says to her when he's laying there and he's dying, he's like, yeah, eat me bones and Fuck all. Fucking eat, eat me. Bones and all. <laughs> he's not dead at this point. She starts eating him, which I think is kind of yeah. fucking weird. And then he's um, laying there and he's like, oh, yeah. And it's like, it's like he's having a quickening moment, you know, where he's kind of like <laughs> the final consummation of their love i guess but yeah i think i i think you're right zach i think she did go bones and all like that was the biggest hole for me in the story was first off you eat that much your digestive system is not going to be able to handle that (laughs) (laughs) the the, number two is you try to eat bones you're just going to break all your teeth off so like the whole movie when when they start talking bones and all i'm with the girl with the marina i was like that's bullshit yeah, that is bullshit. <laughs> I think it's an over exaggeration, but I think it means like yeah, yeah. you eat the whole body. But I don't, I yeah. don't think they literally because you physically couldn't eat the bones; you couldn't digest them. You couldn't break. You break yeah. like yeah. exactly. Like I think it's it, it's an expression, but it, it really means like when you like fully consume that person. So like you pick the bones, you know yeah. what I mean? Like a fucking vulture yeah. or whatever. The way that hillbilly <laughs> said it was perfect. I loved how he told that story about the uh, the co- you know his friend and them eating. Oh that, yeah. Uh, that guy that was that was actually the most chilling story was the campfire scenes and mm-hmm. low-key he might all like if 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 rylance as sully wasn't so good in this movie low-key that guy would steal the movie because that guy is 
I don't know who he is, but he's really fucking good. And his performance yeah. is chilling. In the scene where he chases them, and it, 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 yeah. he rolls the car, takes it, puts a car in neutral, and kind of rolls it. And then she, and he starts, and he kind of like stumbles. Then he kind of like the way he kind Paul's of ass. yeah, he kind of like swerves into a run, and then he starts running at them. It's, it's, yeah. it's like twenty creepy. weeks later run. Yeah, it's like a crazy primal cannibal run. Yeah, <laughs> he's awesome. <laughs> I kind of like to see. Are we also supposed to assume that their relationship, he's in a relationship with David Gordon Green? That's what I thought. That's what I assumed. It's almost like a sexual relationship. It could be sexual, but- I, uh, did, I didn't get that. I, I just, I saw it like almost a mentor relationship in a weird way. I didn't get that though. I saw it as the hillbilly kind of taking advantage of a, a weirdo dude and like- I got the whole sexual. That's what I got. Certain scenes, like facial scenes, they're showing. I'll say this, like a, I would say maybe like a sub and dom situation. Yes, oh, yes, okay. and I don't okay. mean necessarily yes. like sexual as in like boyfriends, mm -hmm. but there's definitely there's an intimacy between those two. Like the way he they they almost like an old married couple. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's tricky because. There's two versions of this movie I would like to see. I would like to see the movie of this version that is all about the law of these roving gangs of people who survive it, it yeah under shadow of darkness being cannibals throughout their lives i want to see that movie but then i also want to see this movie where it's not that concerned with it but a better version of this movie so i want i want i want to have my cake and eat it you know what i mean mm -hmm. so this movie gotcha. kind of falls somewhere in between those two movies for me where it's not it's not fully satisfying my my hunger, no pun intended, on your blood, side. your bloodlust. Yeah. yeah, it's not fully satisfying <laughs> me on either angle. At either angle, yeah, I think that would be the best way I could describe it. I think Eric was right. Like it, it does such a good job of using the cannibal like uniqueness that the lore. Yeah, like the whole it's like underworld movie. You want to know how they parallel live with just the normal society. So I think that mm. is yeah a big. A big what if kind of moment. I guess. Um. I guess go read the book if you can find it. So there, there's your answer. It's a YA book. Yeah. It's yeah. A young adults. It's a Twilighty kind of book. <laughs> and, and I, I kind of wonder if the if it is as graphic as the movie is, and I'm thinking probably not. I'm thinking probably not. No, I'm thinking, but I think it's it's a lot more law. I'm yeah. Kind of wraps it, doesn't it, for bones and all? I think so. Yeah. Um. Anybody watching anything or uh, seen anything they want to recommend? Well, HBO popped on a bunch of new stuff. Uh, I started watching. They have a new Richard Branson documentary. Oh, on cool. there. And I was also telling Eric they popped on a a De Palma documentary and that Murdoch family uh, documentaries on there. So the Murdoch one, I've, I've watched half of the Murdoch. It's really good, so recommend that. I like that. Yeah, I'll check those out. Um, the Rupert Murdoch one would be pretty interesting, you know? I think that would be pretty mm -hmm. fucking Oh, cool. they're crazy, man. Like for me, you know what I've done for the past week? Every night hmm. for the past week, I've been watching and re-watching Silver Linings Playlist. So I've watched it. I watched Silver it. Linings Playbook? Playbook. Not playlist. What the hell? Yeah, Silver Lines playbook. <laughs> I've the David O. Russell movie. I've watched it. So I basically I'll watch it, then I'll fall asleep, and then I finish it, then I fall asleep, and then I start it again, then I fall asleep, and I watch it. And so basically I'll just keep putting it on every night before I go to bed and watching it <laughs> on, 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 on like a loop. And I've been doing it for the past week. I fucking It's like love melatonin. Yeah, it is. <laughs> 
I kind of go through phases. I did it with Mobius. Remember, I was doing the same thing with Mobius for a little while. Um, yeah. What? I, I did it with that movie Blades of Glory too uh, for a little while. Oh, I, I love kept that watching movie. That over and over again. <laughs> um, so basically, I'll I'll do this when I'm I'm having like a personal crisis. Like I'll I I need to watch something. You know what I mean? That makes me feel better. But Civil I, I love that movie. I think it's fucking. It's such a fucking good movie. And I think I'm probably alone in this. And I know I, I know it's trendy to not like that movie so for some reason because everybody loved it when it came out. And now it's kind of trendy to be like it's not that good. Um, Bradley Cooper's not that good. Bradley Cooper's fucking awesome in that movie. His performance is incredible in that movie. <laughs> His performance is incredible. Jennifer Lawrence is incredible in that movie. Robert De Niro's fucking excellent in that movie. It's probably one of the better late De Niro performances that we have. Um, easily one of the better ones. Um, that movie is fucking so well written. The script's so excellent in that movie. It's charming. It's funny. Lawrence and... Um, Bradley Cooper have incredible chemistry, like killer chemistry. She's such a good actress. It's a really fucking good movie. Um, Chris Tucker is amazing in that movie. Like it, the last movie that he made and he came out of retirement, <laughs> I think, to make it, which is super random. He's really, really good in that movie too. It's a really good movie. Uh, David O. Russell's a real talent. I don't know it's going to rub a lot of people the wrong way, but he is. Um, that movie's super, super good. So yeah, I've been watching Silver Lines playbook over and over again. <laughs> Eric, what you watch? Um, so I finished up the last season of Atlanta. Um, sadly, it's over. Uh, probably one of the the best television shows out there in a long time, and we won't see another thing like it for a while. It's just wholly original, great. Um, and then I've been watching, I haven't had a chance to like sit down and watch any movies, but I think on Tuesday, um, decision to leave is going to be out to rent. So I'm going to watch that, nice. uh, Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, and then like all those movies that I missed, like, uh, I think triangle of sadness comes out not long after that. And I'll check that out. Um, but I've been watching the Apple original severance and I don't understand why people aren't talking about this show more. It is, it's incredible. It's so, so good. Um, if you like, I, I don't know why you haven't watched it, Scott. I mean, if you like devs, if you like uh, I know. stuff like that. I know, I know. It's like, it is so, the cast is incredible. Um, it it looks amazing. It's such a crazy story. Um, it's hilarious. Um, and I'm, and I, I guess it, it got picked up for a second season, so I'm, I'm yeah. super excited for it. Um, but I'm about halfway through right now and it, it's just like, I, I mean, John Turturro and Christopher Walken, <laughs> so good. So, so good. Oh, Christopher Walken's in it? Yeah. Yeah. P Patricia. Yeah. Yeah. Patricia Arquette. What? Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it's, it's so good. It's so crazy. Definitely check it out if, if you, uh, if you can, uh, severance. Other than that. I'm I'm just waiting for the decision to leave. Nice. Yeah. Uh next week we are going to see Empire of Light. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if they do make a sequel to that, I really hope they call it the Empire of Light Strikes Back. Which I think would be <laughs> the perfect name for a sequel. Um we will be seeing the so. whale probably soon too. Um oh my God, yes. Avatar 2. Well, I guess that's it. 
I guess that's bones it. Bones and all. <laughs> we hope you got your full bones on this episode. Um, and I definitely did. Thank you, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thanks for everybody for listening to the beginning part of the podcast all about our podcast, which is probably incredibly boring to you listeners, but I'm going to leave it in anyway. It's been a while since me, Zach, and Eric have recorded together. It's been a long time since Zach's been on this show. Oh, I'm rusty. Mm. I'm rusty. <laughs> yeah. And the, that's got to change. We need to get you more on. You need to get, we, we're going to do, do an Empire of Light episode for sure. You know that's coming. Yeah. And once again, um, Eric, thanks for being the legend that you are. Zach, thanks for being a true Southern gentleman. And thanks to all of our listeners. Everybody, please have a great day, great night, great evening, whatever you're doing. I hope it's really good. Um, and we'll catch you guys later. I love you, Australia. Thanks for drawing off with us. <laughs> <laughs>